So today, we are going to talk about how Jesus is our shepherd. And I'm really excited about this because I think if I were to think of how I view Jesus the most, it would definitely be as a shepherd. Growing up on a sheep farm in Australia, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if I would have, I would have been really identifying with the shepherds, but I did. So um, anyway, so if, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Florida is not a place we see a lot of sheep, right? If we do see sheep, they are swimming in the pool, they're putting on suntan lotion, and they're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's hot here, shit me to another state. And so, but we do see, we do see cattle ranches all over, right? You guys, have, who has seen a cattle ranch? They're very big in Florida. And so a rancher is someone who takes care of his cattle and or a dairy farmer takes care of the cows and milks them and stuff like that. So even though we don't have a lot of sheep around here and see a lot of shepherds, we do see ranchers and farmers. But in the Old Testament, shepherds were very... I mean, you just find shepherds throughout the Bible. And you almost feel like to really get the Bible, you should spend about a month on a sheep farm. Because how else are you going to really, like, understand? I mean, who did Jesus call? I mean, who did God the Father? Well, Jesus was part of it. Who did he call to be a nation? A shepherd. He called a shepherd. And not only did he call the shepherd... He called the shepherd and his huge, 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 huge herd of sheep. And then there were other herds. And so I love the way Jesus says, okay, follow me through the desert. But he's not talking about just Abraham. He's talking about this huge herd of sheep and this huge herd of goats and this huge herd of cattle. And so shepherds are a very familiar picture throughout the whole Old Testament. In fact, the oldest son, wait, is it the oldest? The second oldest son of Adam and Eve was what? He was a shepherd. And so throughout scripture, we see shepherds, we see farmers. And when the um, Israelites go down into Egypt, they, the Egyptians saw shepherds as unclean. So they did not want the shepherds mingling with them. So they had the shepherds live in their own little town. And so for the for good or for bad, I mean, for Abraham, it was very prestigious to be a shepherd. For, um, you know, the, the, the Jews inside Egypt, it, after a while it wasn't so prestigious. But sheep for the shepherd are his wealth, his possession, his property. So... The sheep are a way for the shepherd to figure out how wealthy he is. He counts his sheep. And when you look at the book of Job and how rich was Job, the Bible tells us how rich he was in terms of his lifestyle, which is pretty interesting, you know. And so nowadays, of course, we think of money in the bank or land, Land has historically been another way that we measure, measure wealth. But I love that sheep 
are a measure of someone's wealth because sheep are a treasured possession to the shepherd. They're very valuable. And so that's important to think about. Okay, so we're going to start, of course, with a passage of scripture that everyone knows. And we're going to start with Psalm 23. Because that is David's psalm. David was a shepherd. Um, David loved his sheep. He fought a bear and a lion for his sheep. And um, they were very precious to him. And um, throughout his psalms, psalms mean songs, throughout his songs you see the heart of a shepherd in the way that he responds to God's love. And I'm sure that very often David talked to the Lord as his shepherd. So, um, starting in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I love the thing about David writes this as a shepherd, writing about the Lord being his shepherd, and he the first thing he says is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, there are no unmet needs in my life. So if you are a believer in Jesus, there are no unmet needs in your life. And that is the truth. So the devil might lie to you and say, you need another vacation, you need a newer car, you need a bigger house, you need a bigger car. But the truth is, there are no unmet needs in our life. So that's important to keep in mind. And there are no unmet needs in our life because Jesus is our shepherd. Um, next, he says, he makes me <laughs> lie down in green pastures. And I, I was thinking about that, you know, David was so excited. Oh, I want to go to the battle. You know, Dad, let me go to the battle. And, you know, I, I want to see what's going on. Because I'm sure he had day after day after day after day of shepherding. And he probably got bored sometimes. But he knew that he had to be constantly taking his sheep to the green pastures where there was good food. And so in the same way, um, God makes us <laughs> lie down in green pastures. He tells us, okay, how many of you have ever had plans canceled? How many of you have ever, <laughs> you know, you've had situations where maybe your car breaks down. I had, um, I was coming home from, this is after Rusty was born, and I was coming home from spending a day over there and helping her. And as I was sitting at the light, I got rear-ended by a guy who was drinking. And it was quite an exciting story, but very scary. Because the guy went away, and then this other guy came over to me, and he said, are you okay? And then he went and chased the guy and brought him back. And then the guy 
I lied to the police and said he had been threatened. Anyway, it was a very exciting story. But um, the, the bottom line was I had no van. And we had this, our insurance policy didn't give us enough money to go out and just buy the first van. It took us nine months to find a van. And during that time, I had no way to go anywhere unless someone in my family or a friend came and took me places. And so I spent a lot more time at home than I usually do. But the Lord has a way of making us lie down. And, um, you know, have you ever had this happen to you? The Lord says, okay, just rest, just rest, just rest. No, I have too much to do. No, I have too much to do. And the next thing you know, you have the flu and you're in bed. Has that ever happened to anyone? So... (laughs) I'm not saying God gave you the flu, but so the Lord guides us and takes us to places. And a lot of times we feel like we have to get in the right position or we're going to miss out on something. But the Lord guides us. He leads us. He takes care of us. And he brings us into situations that are healthy for our soul. And that can be really difficult sometimes because we may have an agenda that we want the Lord to do. And we may feel like we know what is best for us. We know what's best for the timing for us. You know, we may be mad at God because of the way things have happened in our life. But the truth is, he leads us in paths of righteousness, not paths of And that's very profound because the Lord, I always tell my kids, (laughs) you know, we were talking last night and um, Jude said, you know, I said, well, I I do. I want you guys to be happy. And and Jude said, what? You always tell us, I don't care if you're happy. I care if you're holy. And I said, well, yeah, I want you to be holy more than I want you to be happy. But I do want you to be happy. But I was thinking about that and how, you know, I remember when someone told me that, they were like, you know, God is more concerned about your comfort, uh, about your, your, your character than your comfort. And I was mad. I was like, well, I want to be happy. So God better give me some happiness, you know. But the truth is, when God leads you from place to place, from situation to situation, and he's working in your heart, and he's defining your heart, and he's building your heart, and he's growing you up, then he prepares a banquet in the presence of your enemies. So I believe that this is a true truth, that the greatest joy in our life comes when we are abandoned to God. And we're serving him with all of our heart. We're surrendered to him with all of our heart. He's living his life through us. That we're not thinking about what will make us happy. That we're not thinking about what we want him to do for us. That we are just abandoned to his purposes. That's when the greatest joys come. Because that is when he prepares a banquet in the presence of our enemies. 
and you would never have the banquet prepared if you didn't have the enemies. And so, I mean, we could spend the whole t- time on um, on Psalm 23, but I just want you to get a picture of the Lord as a shepherd taking care of you. And so often, we feel like we're chasing after God. But the truth is, God is chasing after us. Okay. So, the Israelites understood shepherds. And um, one of the things I thought was really cool is that Jesus invited two groups of people to his birth. He invited shepherds and he invited He is a shepherd, and he is a king. And I really believe it was prophetic in who he chose to come. But, you know, I was just thinking about, like, they're the shepherds, you know. And I just, there's certain things. Have you ever been digging in a garden? And, like, now, I don't like worms or snakes or anything. But you know how you're digging in the garden, you see a worm, and you know, wow, the soil is good. This is so awesome. And you have this feeling in your heart, like, this feels so right. Like digging in a garden and weeding a garden, it feels so right. As if God created us to garden. And I almost feel like that's almost how it is with the shepherds. It's like God created us to take care of sheep. So I don't know, maybe in heaven we'll all have little shepherds' crooks and sheep. And so Mary had, Gracie had a little lamb. <laughs> So I'm going to go to Ezekiel now because now we're going to read a chapter about the shepherds of Israel because Jesus said, I want to be your king. I want to be your shepherd. But they said, no, all the other nations have their own king and we want our own king. And so when he's talking about shepherds here, he's talking about the leaders in the nation of Israel, the priests, the teachers of the law. And he's talking about the kings. So he's talking to everyone who's responsible for the kings. And this is um, Ezekiel 34. And I'm starting in verse 1. And this is, I'm going to go through this because you're going to see how Jesus fulfills this. And I just think it's really exciting. So then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds. So just keep that in mind. Ezekiel is going to go to the shepherds and say, thus says the Lord. And this is pretty bold stuff. Like this is not little light stuff. So he's going to go to the kings and the priests and all of them and say, whoa, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourself. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. 
My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. And there's a picture right there. Every high hill, in the high hills are the, the idol gods. They're little shrines. And, and the people are scattered. They're not taken care of. They're not taught the word. They're not being nurtured. They're just let go. And so they're wandering to all of these places that are destroying them. And the Lord's heart is so sad because, I mean, the people of Israel said, we don't want you as our shepherd. We want our own shepherds. And that's what they got. And they were bad shepherds because they weren't like the Lord. They didn't love the Lord. They didn't love the people. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And I can just see Ezekiel. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherd did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So my shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. So he's, he's basically saying the shepherds in Israel are doing a really bad job, and I've had enough. And, you know, God is like that. He just reaches a point where he's done. He gives us so much time, 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 and then it's over, and he will do what he's going to do. And verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I love that. I lo when you read those words, you just feel cloudy, gloomy day. You feel the heart of the Lord. Don't you feel his compassion? Like when Jesus got out of the boat and he was so tired and he wanted to spend time with disciples. And then there's all these people and it says he had compassion on them. And when, when these people have wandered, they have been fed wrong information. They've been lied to. They've been enticed to go to these places in the hills. And, and God calls that cloudy, gloomy day. It's like he's saying, how sad. How sad. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie, 
there they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. And then this is so beautiful. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, behold, I will judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and male goats. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feed in the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pastures, or that you should drink of pure waters, that you must foul the rest with your feet? As for my flock, they must eat what you tread down with your feet and drink what you foul with your feet. Therefore, says the Lord, and he goes and he's, he talks about judgment, and we talked about that, how he's going to separate the goats from the lambs. This is another picture. Everything you see in the New Testament, you find in the Old Testament that Jesus is talking about. So, um, therefore, says the Lord God to them, behold, even I will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and with shoulder and thrust it all the week with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will deliver my flock, and they will no longer be prey, and I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, David's dead, but David saw the Messiah. A lot of the Psalms he wrote are about the Messiah, So, and through the line of David, he's talking about Jesus here. So my servant David, or Jesus, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them. Well, let me just... I'm not going to go so much into this because I'm going to show you what Jesus said and how it ties into this. But you just get a picture that the sheep are scattered everywhere. And that even not just the shepherds are hurting them, but other sheep are hurting them. And he's going to scoop up his sheep, and he's going to bring them back, and they're scattered throughout nations. So it, it said other countries. So they're scattered throughout nations. He's going to bring them back. There's going to be one flock and one shepherd. So that's what he's in essence saying. Verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them, I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing. And that goes back to Psalm 23. And I will cause showers to come down in season. There will be showers of blessing. You hear that song? There will be showers of blessing. Have you heard that old hymn? Yeah. Also, the trees of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and they will be secure in their land. Then they will know that I am the Lord, and I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslave them. They will no longer be a prey to the nations, and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. I will establish them for renowned planting place and they will not again be victims of famine in the land and they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore then they will know that i the lord their god am with them and they the house of israel are my people declares the lord god as for you my sheep the sheep of my pasture you are men 
and I am your God. So he's talking about sheep. They have become prey. They are weak. They are trodden upon. And God basically says, I will make you new sheep. You will be secure. No one will hurt you. No one will insult you. You will be safe. Do you see that? That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to bring my sheep into this place and they will be safe. Nothing can hurt them. They will be safe. And you see this picture of the change in the sheep. And then he ends and he says, you are men and I am your God. You are men and I am your God. And so there's that switch there where um, he changes. So I know that's really confusing a little bit. You know, it's Ezekiel, he's a prophet, he did weird things, he laid on his side for a long time, and then he turned and laid on the other side. But this is such a beautiful passage because the people of Israel saw themselves as sheep. They saw God as their shepherd. And they had this promise that he was going to gather them. And, um, and so just as Israel rejected the Lord as king, so folks reject God as their shepherd. But David didn't reject God as his shepherd, and he had an insight into the Lord. And even though he became king, he became a king after God's heart. And so he had insight into this. I think Ezekiel had insight also into the heart of God and the heart of a shepherd. So this is what I wonder. Jesus is teaching, and it's John 10, and I just have this feeling. I could so be wrong. Don't count this as like, this is the Lord or anything. I'm, this is just my imagination. I could totally be wrong, but this is what I imagine. I imagine that Jesus took the scriptures and he read this passage in Ezekiel to the crowd, that he read it to them. And they were all kind of looked like, yeah, yeah, okay, I've heard that, you know, Ezekiel and the shepherds and blah, 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 you know. And then Jesus says this in John 10. Truly, truly, John 10, 10, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm sorry, John 10, 1. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up by some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. He was saying, I am that shepherd that Ezekiel prophesied about, and I'm coming and I'm opening this gate and I'm walking in and I'm going to call my sheep by name and then we're going to go out and we're going to eat, and we're going to rejoice, and I'm going to lead you, and you're going to know me and follow me because you hear my voice. 
and here's the shepherd. Here is what God did to fulfill Ezekiel. Here is what he did. He came and Jesus gives us this beautiful picture. And we just know this. This is me. I heard the voice of the Lord and I followed him out. How many of you, you heard the voice of the Lord and you followed him out? You followed him out of the world. And this is what he's talking about. So, and then he goes on and he says this. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I'm the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so we come in through Jesus to eternal life. And we go out through Jesus into the world to call people back. And we go in, in Jesus. And our souls are refreshed and we go out. And he empowers us to live for him and to rejoice and to enjoy this beautiful, beautiful life that he's given us. And that's such a beautiful picture because how many times do you go in and out of your front door? Or maybe you go in and out through your side door. But how many times do you go in and out of that? And that's that same picture again, like John 10 of abiding, where he's our dwelling, he's our house, and we come in through him, and we go out from him. But the difference is he's always with us, because when we're in or when we're out, he's filling us. He's inside of us. So he's basically saying Everything that you need in life, you find by coming in through me and going out through me. Do you see that picture? Okay. So, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That, you just heard about the bad shepherds. That's what he's talking about, the hirelings, the people who pretend that they care about your spiritual condition but they lead you into error or they lead you into sin. And those people, he says, I'm not like that. You might have had a bad dad, but I'm not like that. You might have had a bad experience with church, but I am not like that. I am the good shepherd. And he goes on, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This commandment I receive from my Father. And, I mean, we hear that, you know, like Jesus 
laid his life down. No one took it from him. He made that choice. Because he's the shepherd, because David is a picture of that when he kills the bear and when he kills the lion, that Jesus put his life on the line. He gave it up so that we could live because he's the shepherd. And because when you look back at your life and you see horrible things that happen to you, Jesus went to the cross to redeem those things, to change those things. I don't know how he does it, but I do know he does it, and I do know he does it with the power of the cross. I don't know how it all works when he heals, but I believe him. I believe that he takes good care of us, and I believe that he changes everything. So Jesus reveals his heart as a shepherd for his flock in that picture. And he basically says, it's like if you ever read John 15, there's so many passages in the Old Testament. We'll talk about how Jesus is the vine. There's so many. The Israelites, when Jesus said, I'm the true vine, they were like, oh, well, we know what you're talking about. There's this, 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 and this passage. You're the true one. You're what we're looking for. I mean, and this is what he's saying here. They knew about the shepherd. They understood the shepherd. I guess it would be kind of like in today's world saying, I just I just forgot the name of the show. <laughs> What's the show that you guys like? No. The Jet one. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like if he came today and he said, I am a superhuman. No. I am a superhero. Rusty Day asked me, he said, is that a superhero? <laughs> I can't remember what I was like. No, that's not a superhero. But, but he knows what a superhero is. If Jesus is a superhero, it would be like today if Jesus said, I'm a superhero. I'm not from this galaxy. I'm from another galaxy. And we would all go, oh, yeah, we understand that, you know, whole, like, space thing. You can tell I'm not a space person, but... A lot of people are, and they love it, and they get it, and that would make sense to them. And so Jesus <laughs> Jesus puts this. You'll have to edit that out. <laughs> Jesus puts this in terms that he can, that his the people he's talking to understand because they're shepherds too, or they know a shepherd down the street. So Jesus has compassion on you because you're his shepherd. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going over a little bit. Announcements went over, and I'm sorry, but I have to share these last few things with you. So this is um, one of my favorite passages, Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, Father, I praise you, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Hello, infants. Isn't that awesome? There's times when I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm stupid, huh? <laughs> but he says, no, I've revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. So he's basically saying, I'm here to reveal the Father, the shepherd, 
whoever will come to me. Because Jesus says, all who come to me, if anyone comes to me, I will not cast him out. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is so hard for us to understand the power of God to meet every need and the humility of God to do it. And they fit together perfectly. I've only seen a tiny glimpse. I remember Mike had this professor. He taught a class on the Holy Spirit, and this man was so filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, um, he actually said that, um, you know, he was just very, very humble. He taught a class, and one day we were in the class. He had written these textbooks on the Holy Spirit. And um, he, he actually um, was teaching a class, and someone raised their hand, and they said, you know, Dr. Williams, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and he just, like, really um, was arrogant, disagreed with him in such an arrogant, arrogant way. And um, Dr. Williams said this, and I'll never forget it, because he was, like, he's probably the smartest human being I've ever met. I'm sure Jesus, I know Jesus was smarter. I'm sure Jesus, of course he was smarter. But, um... But Dr. Williams said, well, you could be right, but this is how I see it. And so, you know, I'd be happy to discuss it further with you, but I just don't, you know, I'm not holding on to any of my teaching as if it's scripture. And I remember sitting there saying, I want to be humble like the only way that he could be humble like that is if there was so much Jesus in him. Because that's our Jesus, you know, standing before Pilate, before authorities, and just being meek and quiet and not defending himself. And so often, you know, we don't understand that. We feel so weak and so insecure that we just have to fight off anyone who would come near us and hurt us. And we have to defend ourselves and show that we're right. But Jesus doesn't. He's never, ever like that. And even when we come to him and we're angry, you know, like Jacob wrestled with God. And I always read that and think, you wrestled with God. You're so stupid. <laughs> Why are you wrestling with God? Don't you think that he will win? But even in our anger toward him, even in our wrestling with him, even in our rebellion, God is so humble toward us. His patience only lasts for a time, and there is a judgment. But he is so kind and humble, and I think, you know, I really want to understand more of that side of God because it's what gives him so much compassion for us. And, you know, so often I will feel 
you know, if I go to God and said, do you ever complain about, you know, like you've had a rough week? And you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe blah, blah. I'm, I'll do that. I'll, like, go on a little rant for about how long? Shiny? <laughs> 15 minutes? 20 minutes? And then I'm so humiliated. But if I go to the Lord first, this is what I always feel from the Lord. So much And, you know, if I just remember, instead of ranting to go to him and say, you know, this is how I feel, I feel overwhelmed, then his response is always so full of compassion. And I've heard so many times in those moments him say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but we live in a culture that's really loud. We, you know, everyone always has stuff in their ears or a phone to them or they're watching something on their phone or on their computer or on the TV. And um, it's hard to hear the voice of the Lord in the busyness and the noise. And sometimes we just have to turn everything off. And just kind of sit there with him. Do you know what I'm talking about? So that we can hear his voice. I'm not saying he doesn't speak, you know, through podcasts or, you know, songs. I, I like, last for Sometimes I'm embarrassed when someone gets in my car, like how loud the music is. It's like, oh, I was by myself. Sorry. <laughs> I'm old and deaf. <laughs> but I want, I find myself more and more driving with no sound. And I just say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you just refresh my soul? Because I, you know, I need to hear your tenderness. A lot of times he'll bring scriptures just to my heart. But um, anyway, he's so good. God is so good. He's such a good shepherd. And I'm going to end with this. And he said to his disciples, this is Luke 12, and um, the last verse is one of my all-time favorite verses in Scripture. But I'm going to read everything but the last verse first. And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so close the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying, for all these things the nations of the world seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So last summer, Mary and her kids lost Steve, and Mickey Lana 
and her kids in essence lost their dad and not forever but and my first thoughts were Lord how are they going to make it financially are they going to be okay and I remember day after day after day I worried in my prayers to the Lord how are they going to make it Lord what do you want me to do should you know I combine rooms I could squeeze maybe all of them into our house we have a big house I don't know Lord but um and I had because I'm a fixer you can ask you know like I see a problem right Kate and then I go and I try to fix it and you know I want to make sure everyone is okay and um, I get in the car when I drive and I pray for myself I pray for every single person in the church God will protect them and keep them safe because you know I know like there are bad things out there and you know and for me the greatest thing about the shepherd is that he takes care of everyone and everything that he loves us so much and he sees all those things I see too but he has a plan a perfect plan and I have been so blessed to sit back and watch the Lord provide for you provide for you and hear the miracles and sometimes I'll just say to him, you know, you're such a good God. You're so kind. And you don't forget anyone or anything. And you're spinning the planets. But you're like, take me, quit making mama's school books. And through your transition planning in such a great place with your store. And like, there's so many times, you know, I lay awake and I'll like pray for people and then I'll just see God do something. And then I'm not going to keep telling that. So this is the last verse. I ended, I read this one. But seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. So that's what we have to do. We seek the kingdom of God first. But then he says this. And I can never read this without crying. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And I think about that because... Here he tells us to seek the kingdom first. And if we seek the kingdom first, everything will be given to us. But then he says, don't be afraid, little flock, little sheep. I've given you the kingdom with such a glad heart. So what we're seeking is given us. And that's the kind of shepherd Jesus is. I want you to remember that because if you're going through a struggle right now and you're wondering, you know, does God care? Why doesn't he heal me right away? Why doesn't he change this circumstance? Why doesn't he change these people that are hurting me or yelling at me? Why doesn't he come through with this thing that I want and I know it's his will? Why doesn't he help me change 
and we think that somehow God is frustrated with us or punishing us, but that is not the picture in Scripture of our God. The picture in Scripture of our God is that he is full of compassion. Oh, Sarah and Kate, you have those little ones, and Sharon, and it's so hard sometimes to be loving and to not raise your voice and to be Jesus to them. And my heart is so full of compassion for you. And I think if we get that in our spirits, if we're struggling to hold on to a truth, our God is so full of compassion for us. He is not heavy-handed. He is so gentle with us. And I think I shared this last week, but sometimes when I'm leading worship, I get this picture of like I, I can't I, it's not like God is audibly talking to me or even saying words but I just get this sense of how much God loves people and it overwhelms me so if you ever see me up there crying it's probably that <laughs> so Jesus is your shepherd and us course lots more make up us but we are his little flock and he is pleased to give us the kingdom and the kingdom is glorious